The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You didn't think we were about to miss a day, did you? Don't be silly. Saturday, October the 16th, three days, the countdown now, three days from the start of the NBA season, and we have a little big box site redux to work on this weekend where I imagine many of you have your fantasy drafts. I have three this weekend. I think I had three last weekend. I think I did two in the middle of the week. What's wrong with me? Many, many things. Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Something that it seems like you guys have really enjoyed is just diving headlong into stuff before I plead with you on the various things going on around the website. So that's what we're going to do today. And we'll start by just launching face first into the pool, right into the deep end on Yahoo's top 25 and basically where some of those guys have moved. Now, in the past, we've talked about ADP, which tends to be somewhat reflective of the website's ranks that you're working on. For instance, when we talked about this stuff a couple weeks ago, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry were all, they all had an ADP of like three and a half. It was like Luka at 3.2, Giannis at 3.3, Steph was at like 3.7 or something like that. And now Luka's ADP is actually 2.9. So he's solidified himself, oddly enough, as the number two guy. Giannis and Steph have each moved backwards. Giannis now at 4.0, Steph at 4.3. They are still the third and fourth guys selected. The reason this happens is because of the site's projections for the year coming. Yahoo's list, and by the way, they've adjusted it again since the last time we spoke, has Giannis bumped way down. Um, no, excuse me, I've got that flip-flopped here. But uh, preseason ranking, no, Giannis is actually at number nine. So he's way down the board. So you can understand why he's falling a little bit. Steph is still at number five. But let's start at the top. Nikola Jokic still number one. Nothing has dethroned Jokic from that spot. And as we've talked about many times on the show, we don't have any problem with that. But let's look at the rest of it. So Doncic now at number two. This continues to be an interesting phenomenon to me. And I know everybody's like, well, in head-to-head, you can just punt turnovers. And so then, you know, Luka moves way up the board. That's true, but even with turnovers punted, he was still number 17 on a per-game basis last year, largely because we only eliminated one of his two bad categories. The free-throw thing was still very real and still quite significant. I don't... I don't really get it. I don't get it. I know that we just, last week we had that wonderful podcast with Brew and Dr. A, and Dr. A was like, look, I'm going to go get my guy. And that's fine. And in head-to-head leagues, which also we noted Dr. A very much a proponent of, you can kind of get away with this. You could just punt the things he's not good at because the things he is good at, he's very good at. He scores well, hits three threes a game, eight boards, eight and a half assists, a steal, which is fine. It's not great. 
and then half a block. You don't have to punt blocks because he gets you half of one out of a guard spot. But you probably do have to punt free throws and turnovers if you draft him first in a head-to-head league. We've talked about why before, but just very briefly here, the why is because your first-round pick is your opportunity to get the free-throw guy on your team. We've talked about this many times, so I don't want to go into too much detail on it, but basically after Bradley Beal, whenever the hell he goes, 13th, 14th, whatever, or slightly earlier, the rest of the draft is mostly marked by, like, two very good foul shooters, a handful of pretty good foul shooters, and then a whole lot of guys that range from, like, basically no real change down to very bad. So if you don't get your free throw shooter in the first round, you'll end up focusing the rest of your draft on making up for that if you're not punting it. Luca at number two in Roto is bat bleep insane. I want to have Adam Stock back on the show at some point in the not-too-distant future to talk about why punting turnovers isn't that great of an option anymore. And I think the main reason is that everybody's doing that now. You've lost whatever advantage you may have had in that strategy from a few years ago or whatever it was because now you're not alone anymore. The whole point of punting, well, there's a couple. The first point of punting at least in head-to-head, is because you only need to win your weekly matchup. Five categories gets it done. You can really isolate the stuff you're drafting for. But on a more macro level, what punting does is it shakes up the draft board. It flips the board into an order that you can look at that other people aren't. If you're punting turnovers and four other teams in your league are punting turnovers, you no longer have the inside track to the guys you want. You're competing with a bunch of teams as if you were drafting straight through. That's why punting other stuff is so interesting. It's why I end up not focusing on points very much. It completely flips the board. I am very often the only team in my leagues that doesn't look hard at points. And in fact, at times... I'll turn a punt feature on just to see how far particular players move, and it's remarkable. I won another Roto League last year, coming in dead last in scoring. Even behind the teams that gave up with a month to go. Which, by the way, not a great strategy. If you can get in front of those one or two teams, and I know for a lot of you guys it's like four teams. You need to change the makeup of your league so that it's really only one or two that totally give up. I could have run away with it if I could have passed those teams. So, yeah, that's something to look at. Like, giving up on something entirely is not perfectly advisable. But you can get so good at rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, free throw percent. Very easy to win when you're not... I mean, and you can just dodge, guys. The percentages are not that hard to do. You just make sure that a couple of your guys at the front end are really good at percentages, and then because everybody else you draft doesn't score, they have almost no impact on it. Nikola Jokic, on a punt points team I had last year, his influence on field goal percent and free throw percent was enormous. I mean, he was taking as many shots by himself as, like, the next four guys on my team combined. It's probably a bit of an overstatement. Anyway, uh, Luka, too, continues to be a little bit weird. 
Makes more sense in a points format, that's for damn sure. Uh, James Harden now has been elevated into the number three slot on Yahoo, and I love that one. We've talked about this before. He belongs now in the top three with Kyrie Irving potentially set to miss the season. Harden has an opportunity to lead the league in assists or certainly be up among them. Defensively, he's been very good. Efficiency-wise, having Kevin Durant to take those tough shots that he no longer has to take, he can take good looks. Everybody's worried that rule changes are going to impact James Harden. He's just going to find another way. He's a basketball genius. I know that everybody wants to hate his fan or his reality game, and I'm I'm not on board with it. I know I get it. Like nobody wants to see a guy that's that's looking to draw the foul. But I love watching someone who I love watching players who put the puzzle together. Rather than just like mashing pieces into place and hoping it works, Harden is back there like, okay, uh, you guys have given me a brand new puzzle this year, and I'm going to assemble it anyway. He's, he's mastered solving the rules of the game. Just think if that dude could jump like some of the other guys in, in the NBA. Anyway, Harden at three makes a lot of sense. Kevin Durant has been elevated to number, number four player on uh, Yahoo's board, despite... They haven't projected to play just 69 out of the 82 ball games. Uh, that's a little bit too high for me, assuming that projection on games played is accurate. He's going to be a great percentages guy. He'll get you stuff across the board. He's uh, in that. He and Kawhi Leonard have always kind of been in that mold of guys that really are eight to nine category dudes, and those guys are rare. They're cool. Like he's he's great for Roto, but there's a whole lot of risk there of a guy missing. 13 to 20 ball games, or heaven help us if anything else goes wrong, potentially more, where, yeah, you can't predict every little injury, but it's safe to say that someone like KD has a higher chance of being dinged up than someone who didn't just play a full year and an Olympics off a blown leg. It's just a percentages game at that point. Steph is still fifth, by the way, on Yahoo's preseason rank board. Uh, he doesn't fall to five in almost any league that I've seen, so I'm not, not really sure that this is an ADP I completely buy. Uh, latest I've seen him go pretty much anywhere is third, behind Luka. You don't usually see Luka and then Giannis and then Steph, even though that technically is their ADP, because most people are paying attention to the fact that they're in a nine-category league. Someone is. Even if one person's like, screw it, usually it's only one out of the first couple teams on the draft board. So Steph, Steph at five is too low, but it doesn't matter because that's not really where he's going. Dame at six, Cat at seven. I'm lumping those guys together because I do think that they are kind of a uh, a set. They're a pair at this point. They're guys that you know. I think Cat will flex some of the durability stuff that hasn't been there the last two years. His team is fun. He's a year removed from family tragedy, which, by the way, a year is not even close to enough. But there is this thing, and I don't want to get into the, like the psychology of, of death on a podcast about fantasy basketball. But as someone who went through losing someone very close to me three years ago now, I can say that every couple of months, it's something you think about less. Now, with him... The thing that caused it, COVID, is still very much a, a big story. So there's going to be those constant reminders all the time. But it is something that just sort of, like, 
it takes up just a little bit less headspace every few weeks. And so he will be better mentally now than he was a year ago, even if he's not all the way back to where maybe he will be 10, 15 years down the line. And I think he's looking forward to a fun season. He has fun teammates. Uh, He's on a team that wants to win here. Not that they didn't the last couple of seasons, but they knew they had no shot. And then with Dame, I've stopped doubting him ever. Like, he's, he's such a reliable fantasy player. And then from a leadership standpoint he's probably the best leader in the nba I, I, like how many times has this dude taken the same ragtag team in portland cj mccollum at all and kept them as contenders not for the championship but like good playoff seating he does it every year ever for a couple of seasons there and this is a while back now I was like, okay, Portland, this is stagnation syndrome. It's got stagnation syndrome written all over it. They didn't make any real changes. They were financially locked into a bunch of guys that were making more than they needed to. They're going to have a year where they just don't play as well because they're bored. And Dame never let it happen. And this year, they actually changed a couple of things. I mean, it's generally the same core, but Nurk comes into camp healthy. They brought in Larry Nance Jr. They re-signed Norman Powell over Gary Trent. Norman Powell, by the way, better player than Gary Trent. More expensive than Gary Trent, but a better player. So, I, not that they think that they're going to win at all, but I do think this is probably some of the better vibes out of Portland, even though outwardly things are being presented as a mess. Chauncey Billups, they say it's going to be a mess. Like, I think people are making up their minds on all this way too early. Fantasy-wise, those two guys, great picks in that neighborhood of the first round. Joel Embiid, number eight. Uh, I don't think I could bring myself to take him there. I know he'll probably beat that on a per-game basis, but Yahoo's got him missing 18 games, and I think that's a pretty fair number, if maybe even bullish on Embiid for games played. I'll just pass. If I had the eighth pick and he was there, I'm just passing. Even though the guys behind him don't have anywhere near the per-game upside he has, I need someone who's going to play another 10 to 15 games. I just do. Who would I take between Embiid and Giannis? The answer is neither. Giannis is number nine on Yahoo's board. They finally adjusted for the fact that he has a balky knee. Uh, He's a free throw. He's a 68% ultra high volume free throw shooter who's also a liability in turnovers. And yet, last year he was way ahead of Luka in nine cat. So figure that out. I can't. Jason Tatum, number 10. That's a great one. He's got upside mostly because of his durability, but also because of getting over COVID last year. That was just a total mess of a season. He's a steal at 10. Paul George has been elevated to 11 on the Yahoo board. They've moved him into the first round now. And we're wiping out a little bit of the value there. I'm hoping his steals come back. Last year was kind of a weird off-season on the theft department. If those return... He jumps pretty far, but there were a lot of things that just weren't quite quite right with PG last year. The number of shots per game was down. I know Kawhi was healthy finally for most of the year, um, so hopefully he can get his shots back up closer to 20, steals back up in that 1.6, 1.7 range, and then he moves back basically to here. I know he's a guy that has been a top three fantasy player before. Remember in Oklahoma City, he averaged... He took 21 shots a game, averaged 28, 8, and 4 with 2.2 steals that year. I don't think we're getting back to that, Paul George, who played 77 out of 82 regular season ball games, but he certainly belongs at the tail end of the first round. And number 12 on the Yahoo board, 
is Anthony Davis. He probably deserves a little breakdown. Jonas Nader was on the pod and talked about how he feels confident taking AD at this point, and he convinced me in the moment, but the more I watch, the more I'm petrified. His rebounds were down last year, and I know he's expected to play more center this time around, uh, but to me, it's, it's not actually enough to move the needle. Not that he's not going to be better as the center. He is. I think the Lakers might be talking more about it than actually will be the case. At some point, they're going to want to get Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan in there just to take a little bit of the, the wear and tear off of him. They have to. And, and this is maybe the biggest thing of all, his free throw shooting. Yahoo's got him at 78.8% at the foul line. And the last time AD was an heroic fantasy player, he was averaging like 26 and 11 with a ton of steals, a ton of blocks, and around 80% at the free throw line. Now, last year, yes, he was dealing with injury stuff and the long bubble run, but he shot 74% at the foul line, and blocks were way down at just 1.6 per ball game. I'm not sure that I believe that AD has the fire in his belly to just go and dominate the regular season the way he did three or four years ago. Because the Lakers know they're a playoff team. They're a championship contender. Their whole goal right now is to stay healthy for the playoffs. Anything that risks that is nuts. So I'm actually passing on Anthony Davis this year. I've had a lot of opportunities. Every damn randomizer drops me in the number 12 slot this season for whatever reason. And he's been there almost every time. And almost and every time I've said no. It's just too big of a risk. I can't do it. I know there's that upside. You know, it's the same thing I've been struggling with on Kevin Durant. If I was, and I haven't had any opportunities really to take him because I've had no middle-of-the-round first-round picks yet. But I think at that exact same juncture, I'd probably do the same thing, which is I see the upside here. And with KD, it's certainly more obvious, and that's why he's getting picked five, six slots earlier. But the upside is so clear for these guys, but so is the downside. And I just have to play it safer on my first-round pick, and frankly, on my second-round pick, too. Like, if AD's there on the other side of the turn at 14, I'm still probably not taking him. And at the end of our first round of Yahoo's, well, we'll do top 24, I want to welcome you guys officially to the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. You can check out HoopBall. That's hoop-ball.com, the website, or at HoopBallFantasy. I am going to have so much going on on social media this year. So I would certainly ask you guys to check me out. Again, it's at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. That's a very easy way to find me. And uh, drop me a follow there. And then with HoopBall, go get something there. Go go put a, a small coin in the piggy bank. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to be hosting a live Q&A in our premium Discord every Monday afternoon this year. So if you get a fantasy pass... You can bug me over there with questions every Monday afternoon. It's right around lineup setting time, so it could be about weekly lineup stuff. It could just be about your team, whatever. Doing it every Monday afternoon. Get yourself a fantasy pass at HoopBall. It's $5.99 a month. Comes with all sorts of other stuff as well. Hoop-ball.com. Click on the premium tab and get 
premium. Second round on Yahoo right now begins with Trey Young at 13, which is just completely insane in a nine-category league. As nuts as Luka is going at two, Trey on the turn might be even more insane. He was number 54 in nine-category leagues last year, and he is not going to do more this season. The reason he was so close to being a first-rounder two years ago is because there wasn't anybody else in that locker room that was going to do something with the basketball. It was Trey against the world. His usage went way down season over season. The rule being put in place to penalize offensive players for doing goofy things with their body while trying to draw a foul will impact him. And all signs point to Trey Young being a top 59 cat guy and sticking there. Or, heaven forbid, it could actually get worse. So absolutely not. You have to be punting multiple categories, in my estimation, to even consider him at this juncture. So just let someone else do it and let other guys that are better at fantasy in a nine-category league fall to you. I wouldn't even take him there in an eight-category league. And I know that that was, I mean, that's his big issue spot. And it vaults him up to number 22 last year if you're punting turnovers. But still, you're way behind where he's going at 13. It's a lot closer, admittedly, but it's not there. Number 14 right now is Bradley Beal. Seems like he's actually been moved down boards a little bit. I know he he left a preseason game with a knee contusion, assuming that that is not anything worse. Uh, I wouldn't make too much out of it. Feels precautionary at this point. This is too low for Beal. Uh, we're, we're looking at someone who could very easily lead the league in scoring this season. Uh, he was right there last year. Steph passed him with that ridiculous second half. Beal's teammate goes from being Russell Westbrook to Spencer Dinwiddie, who is not going to do as much. Beal's going to go nuts this year. Uh, he was number 12 if you were punting turnovers last season. He was like right around that same point with or without it among the top guys. And you could see him potentially even getting better. There's some fear of a shutdown. And I guess that's annoying if you're in a head-to-head and your playoffs go right to the very end. But lop off the last two weeks of your season and you're probably set. So to me, he, this is too low and this is a nice deal. And it's the same story with the next guy on the board. That's Jimmy Butler at 15. He's been getting moved up the board also. Remember, Butler was in the 20s in the early uh, pre-ranks from Yahoo. Was number 8 per game last year. I expect his health to be better this season, although he really hasn't made it through a year not missing a dozen ball games in a while. Yeah, Kyle Lowry could shave a little bit off of what he did, but we're talking about someone who was extraordinary in steals, in both percentages, unbelievably efficient. Turnovers were low, considering all the stuff he was doing on the basketball court, and just great shot selection. He was brilliant. And I don't see him getting worse. Yeah, it's possible that, you know, field goal percent, maybe that takes a, a small step backwards. But when you consider the fact that, like, him coming into the season with an actual offseason of rest, uh, knows his teammates now. I love Jimmy Butler here, and I'd be happy to take him on the turn, frankly. Nikola Vucevic, uh, pre-ranked 16. This is actually pretty reasonable for him. He was number 11 last year. I think he'll take a step back there. He probably on a per-game basis. 
uh, looking at maybe more in the the 18 to 22 range, but 16's fine, and you're starting to get into some kind of weird players anyway, late second round. I expect Vooch to play through a lot of small bumps and bruises this year on a Chicago team that's going to be trying to gel and make the playoffs. So I like him a lot here. 16 seems fine. Demonis Sabonis at 17 is crazy early. I like Sabonis as much as the next guy, but he was number 25 per game last year, and I don't know what the hell gets better unless he magically fixes his free throw stroke and all the other stuff holds. That, to me, is a lot to ask. But that's how he gets there. If his free throws go from 73 to 76 or 77, he moves into the middle of that second round. That's, I guess, what you're banking on here, or good health. Um, But again, it's kind of fine because there isn't an obvious guy to take at this spot. And so Yahoo just kind of lumped them all together, and it's up to us to sort out which ones we want the most. Bam Adebayo at 18. Uh, Per game-wise, he beat Sabonis last year. He was number 19. Uh, He's also notoriously tough. I love Bam in the second round. I think he plays more games than the league average. So even if he's behind this number 18 mark per game, uh, more than likely he'll get above that mark by totals as the season rolls on. So this is a very safe pick. Yahoo's got him playing 77 out of 82 games. He might even clear that mark. Zach Levine at 19. His story to me is pretty similar to Demonis Sabonis. Levine was number 23 last year, and everything broke perfectly for him. I think small step back for Zach, probably more like top 30 per game basis, maybe 28, 29. If he's very durable, he gets to this mark, but it's going to take that type of level or that type of effort to get there. Michael Porter Jr. at number 20. Uh, This is a fair one for me on him. He was 27 over the season last year. He was better than that in the second half and even better than that after Jamal Murray went down. So uh, no real problem here. I'm not super worried about the lack of vaccination. I know it's a little bit silly when you see the quotes from MPJ about all this stuff. But the thing is, he actually does have antibodies to COVID. And so he is less susceptible to it than someone who doesn't have a vax who hasn't had COVID before. That's just how the immune system works. On the other hand, he's also going to be subjected to the NBA's stricter protocols. If he has a, a exposure, an exposure, he's going to have to quarantine for X number of days. Last year, it was basically a week, five or six days with negative tests. Um, if anything gets goofy and is sort of inner circle, he has to stay in hotels and all that stuff. So if any of those things goes wrong, then you lose a few games to it. But overall, uh, he's shown himself to be now sort of over the back thing. Um, and last year, the COVID games were pretty much the only games he missed all season. So I like Michael Porter Jr. I know that it's sort of harder to roster someone if you're not super confident in the the uncertainty of it all, but this is a perfectly fine spot for him. Freddie Van Vliet at number 21 for Yahoo. This, is, I think, is fine. Um, the fear with, Fran, with Van Vliet is whether or not he can actually last the entire season. He's uh, been a little beat up, and I know with last year, most of the Raptors were. Uh, Van Vliet missed 20 ball games. He was number 17 last season, and his role gets bigger. So if he's really falling to 21, you absolutely positively must take him there. I would take him four or five slots sooner and just hope that he does actually stay pretty healthy over the course of the year. And if that's the case, then you really cash in. 
Donovan Mitchell at 22. This is way too early on Donovan Mitchell. And I like Donovan, uh, but he's shown himself to basically be a top 40 kind of fantasy player. So you need him to play a, a crap ton of games to get to this mark. I'm not drafting a guy in the second round who's a per-game number 40 type of dude. Yeah, again, like if you're punting certain things, field goal percent, then he rockets up the board. But just in a vacuum, this is simply too soon for him. That's it. It's too soon. Should be going around later, I would think, at the absolute earliest. But we still haven't sort of figured that part out. Again, if he goes top 40 and plays in like 78 ball games, he hits this mark. But I think like... If you're drafting towards the end of the second round, you're looking for someone who has a per-game target close to where you're drafting them. And then if you get durability above that, then they beat that ADP. That needs to be the combo you're hunting for. Uh, Number 23 is Devin Booker, and this is also super early. I mean, Booker was in the 60s last year, so... No, like, I don't I don't even need to talk about this. Even if Chris Paul misses a little bit of time, it's not going to be enough to push Booker this far up the board. And uh, it looks like Yahoo's actually shifted him forward a little bit because he wasn't going this early when we did this two weeks ago. Yeah, I don't... Mm, I, I don't even really know what to say about this one. He, he just... Like, Booker wasn't close. Nothing. He finished at 75. Yikes, that was later even than I realized. 25 and a half points per game, that's great and all, but four boards, four assists, minimal defensive stats, decent percentages, good free throw, only two threes. There's, like, that's a guy you should be able to get in the fourth round, not the end of the second. Please don't spend a late second round pick on Booker. Thank you, Yahoo, for moving him up the board so far that now his ADP in nine cat is going to be stupid early. That's glorious. Russell Westbrook is number 24. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you guys don't need me to talk you through the Westbrook thing. This is almost entirely uh, because the lists for these places incorporate points leagues, 8-cat leagues, 9-cat all together. Russ, like, he's going to be lucky to be a top 60 9-cat guy this season, so just no. And then Rudy Gobert at number 25, uh, this is where he's basically been, and this is great. Like, if you can get Rudy Gobert on the kind of the turn coming back, and this is as far as we're going to go, top 25, uh, that's wonderful. He'll he'll most likely beat that mark by ADP. Um, is per game, I mean, his per game, I guess, will be close. And then if he's even a tiny bit durable, he's gold. And I guess we can do a couple um, interesting names here from the next... Uh, one or two, like the next little chunk. I'm not going to do a, a, a whole bunch because I really wanted to look at how Yahoo's moved some names around at the top of the board. And then tomorrow, uh, we'll do some ESPN breakdowns as well on the show. But uh, a few of these interesting upcoming names are, well, I'll tell you after I remind you guys to please go check out manscaped.com and use promo code HOOPBALL20. Get yourself a lawnmower 4.0 with a Built-in LED, you can turn the light on and off as you please. It's got a button lock so your trimmer doesn't turn on in a bag while you're traveling, things of that nature. Still has the same incredible pinch-free technology that Manscaped has become to they've, they've become known by that particular ability to just not pinch. I told you I was going to clean up my neck on a recent show. Was that yesterday? And I did. I'm a much more handsome fellow now. 
I'm sure you guys are thrilled to hear about it. Also, check out our buddies over at mybookie.ag. If you're going to be betting with us here at HoopBall, follow at HoopBallGaming to get our daily free play from the guys over there. I think they've won three in a row on that one right now as we speak. There's also the wager pass available. And then go take money from our pals at mybookie.ag. Use promo code HoopBall, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. It's on the third page of sign up. Uh, and that'll let them know who sent you. And I'll continue to let you guys know anytime there's an odds boost that goes down where we can just go get free money effectively. Hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions on this stuff. Again, that's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please, 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 please. It means everything to me. Subscribe. And if you have 90 seconds to drop a uh, five-star review on the show, if you want to write something funny, that's fine. doesn't have to be. Um, just do drop the five-star review and subscribe to the pod. That continues to push us up the boards and allows us to do more fun things over at HoopBall. A couple of interesting names here from this next next chunk. Chris Paul's been moved way up to number 26 in Yahoo's preseason rank board. He was in the late 30s as recently as two and a half weeks ago, and this has totally changed where he's going on draft boards. They really did influence this hard He's going generally before 30 now, and so we're finally moving to where I thought we were going to be, which was Chris Paul's going to get taken near the end of the second round this year. It's going to be a little bit early for my liking because I think he's going to get some games off. I don't mind him at 26, but it does wipe out a lot of the value we were looking at when he kept falling to like 34 again. So that's an interesting footnote. Lamella Ball has dropped a little bit. He's now at number 28 which is still, to, to me, not quite far enough, which I know makes me sort of the weird guy on LaMelo. I need to see him fix his percentages before I totally buy. And he's going to be incredible this year, but I don't think I'm spending uh, a late second or an early third on him. I, would, I was hoping he would go about a round later, but we kind of knew that wasn't going to be the case this year when we saw the very first draft happen. And those are probably the two most interesting ones from that next batch. Uh, OG Ananobi, by the way, has also been moved up to number 45 on Yahoo's boards. So he now is also going a little bit sooner. And that's your special Saturday show. 31 shows in 31 days here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vespers. This is a hoop ball presentation. It's Fantasy NBA Today. Tomorrow, some ESPN notes as we get everybody ready for this last push into fantasy draft time. Enjoy your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.